You're listening to PetLifeRadio.com. Good day. Welcome to Be Humane on Pet Life Radio. I'm your host, Dr. Robin Gansert, and I hope you're having a pleasant, restful summer. Things are certainly busy for us here at American Humane as we've just had one of the biggest program launches in our organization's 140-year history. Yes, friends, I'm talking about our new Humane Conservation Initiative, which protects the millions of animals living in human care at zoos and aquariums around the world. You know, we just had a major launch event on Capitol Hill, featuring tons of precious animal ambassadors, including a sloth, a bald eagle who was gorgeous, penguins, and one very spunky red rough lemur. The lemur was just precious. And on today's show, we'll have a few of our guests who were there to take part with this launch event. So pleased to feature the Emmy-winning TV host and renowned wildlife biologist Jeff Corwin, who was there to talk about how zoos and aquariums play important roles in conserving endangered species. Then we'll be joined by the husband and wife veterinarian team, Dr. Jim and Linda Petty, who co-chaired our Humane Conservation Scientific Advisory Committee. You know, it was their incredible efforts that allowed us to develop the program's gold star scientific standards for animal care for animals in conservation settings in zoos and aquariums. And finally, we're going to hear from two of the first four institutions in the world to pass our rigorous audit and earn our American Humane Certified Seal of Approval, the Vancouver Aquarium and Chicago's Brookfield Zoo. You know, but before we get to our incredible guest, a little more about this new program. It's the first of its kind. You know, Americans, we love animals. In fact, more of us go to visit zoos and aquariums each year than attend all professional sporting events combined. Yes, In fact, this is a really good fact to share at your summer barbecues. In fact, more of us as Americans visit zoos and aquariums each year than attend all professional sporting events combined. Wow. But you know, as animal lovers, recent incidents such as the ones with Harambe, the beautiful western lowland gorilla who was shot to death at the Cincinnati Zoo after the three-year-old boy fell into his enclosure, it's really prompted a small but vocal minority to question if the world still needs zoos and aquariums. And the fact is, zoos and aquariums, conservation parks are absolutely essential if we want to preserve the magnificent creatures with whom we share the earth. Every animal on earth has the most basic right of all, the right to survive. Without the lifeboats for those on the brink of extinction, our children might grow up in a world completely devoid of rhinos, tigers, orangutans, and many more critically endangered species. Right now, our planet is experiencing what scientists are calling a sixth extinction, with species disappearing at a rate eight to a hundred times higher than expected since 1900. And really, it's today's zoos and aquariums that are playing an increasingly important role in preserving the vital web of life on this earth. In fact, friends, think of this. When you're having your dinner tonight, over a two-hour period, two species are going to be gone off this earth. Wow. Serving as arcs of hope 
for endangered animals and powerful ambassadors for conservation institutions, the top zoos and aquariums are cultivating new generations to care about the future of these creatures. Humans have a deep bond with animals. And for many, myself included, that bond was created and strengthened during childhood visits to zoos and aquariums. To strengthen those bonds and the protection afforded millions, millions of remarkable, endangered, and disappearing animals, American Humane, our country's very first national humane organization, and the largest certifier of the humane treatment of animals in the entire world, we developed this first ever independent, science-based, third-party humane certification program, focusing solely on the well-being of the animal's living in zoos and aquariums. And these may be the last animals of these species on Earth. This new humane conservation program is based on comprehensive standards created by an independent scientific advisory committee consisting of the most well-respected iconic names in animal welfare, animal ethics, and the conservation community. The standards cover everything from good health to good housing, good feeding, appropriate behaviors, environmental quality and management of emergency situations. The implementation of these standards is then verified through a rigorous and independent third-party audit, which is very crucial. The new Humane Conservation Program it will distinguish those institutions that provide good care for their animals from those that need to improve their standards or close their doors. These certainly are bad actors out there, and the public ought to have a way to help them determine which zoos and aquariums are good to visit and which ones are good to support. Already, four leading institutions from around the world have taken this first step voluntarily, undergoing and passing the rigorous audit process. I want to congratulate these four institutions on being the first American Humane Certified Zoos and Aquariums. Chicago's Brookfield Zoo, Chicago's Shedd Aquarium, the Vancouver Aquarium Marine Science Center in Canada, and Mexico's Delphinus. Together, these humanely certified zoos, aquariums, and conservation parks can be effective weapons against the sixth extinction, allowing millions more animals to survive for the next generation, for us to be able to adore, appreciate, and learn more about them. And to talk more about the race to save animals from the sixth extinction, we'll hear from Jeff Korn right after this. Don't go anywhere. This is a really important episode of Be Humane on Pet Life Radio. We'll be right back. We'll be right back, right after these messages. Stay tuned. It's hard to find time for your furry family member. That's where Camp Bow Wow comes in. All-day play and overnight camp, daycare and boarding for dogs. Everything is included. Large play areas for fun and exercise. Spacious cabins, comfy cots, even live camper cams to watch from a computer or smartphone. Camp Bow Wow offers the best care and is the place to go where a dog can be a dog. For locations and more information, visit CampBowWow.com. Looking for the best advice on pet health, safety, and travel? Connect with the Pet Lady. Dana Humphrey, also known as the Pet Lady, will surely be in a city near you real soon. She will be spreading the good news for pets and pet lovers from tips on dog and cat care, pet industry trends, and the best events for you and your four-legged family members. Need a great gift idea or insights on the hottest pet gadgets? Simply follow the Pet Lady on Twitter at PetLadyWorld. You can also learn more at the Pet Lady at thepetlady.net. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. 
I'm Scott Sowers. This is Be Humane on Pet Life Radio. We're coming at you live from Capitol Hill at the site of American Humane Association's global launch for our new humane conservation program. And our next guest really needs no introduction. You've seen him on television. He's a famed wildlife biologist. He's an Emmy-winning TV host. And uh, he is one of the foremost experts on conservation on the planet. Please welcome Jeff Corwin to the show. Thanks, Jeff. Delighted, Scott, to be with you. So, Jeff, talk a little bit about the message that you delivered tonight. It's really about the need to save the Earth's disappearing species. Well, Scott, we are very much living in what has been argued as the sixth extinction. And what that means is for the first time on our planet, we are losing species not because of a natural shift in how the planet functions, not because of an asteroid slimming into the planet, not because the, of a millennia stretch of a glacier. We're losing the species of our planet because of a very intelligent asteroid, the human species. We lose a species of life every 20 minutes. And at this present course, we're just a few decades of losing half of all life on the Earth, which in the end not only impacts nature, but impacts us because we depend on these resources. So my message is as a wake-up call on the changes we need to make to try to turn back this train that has left the station. And at the same time, to recognize the value of zoos. Zoos are a critical juncture where regular mainstream folks make a connection to nature. 200 people every year, 200 million people every year in the United States visit a zoo. And somewhere amongst those visitors is a future Jane Goodall, a future David Attenborough, uh, someone who will be inspired from that experience to become an environmental steward. And zoos are important because oftentimes in our most challenged urban environments is a world-class zoo. Think of the Bronx Zoo. Think of the L.A. Zoo. Think of the National Zoo, a place where not only people can come learn and connect and be inspired to care about nature, but ultimately where some of the world's top conservationists are coming up with strategies to save species. And that was the message tonight, and to sort of celebrate this new program with American Humane Association that is designed to really help develop what we hope to be the gold standard to ensure that everyone within this community has an option and has a pathway to reinforce what we all believe are the ethical standards needed for these animals in our care. Yeah, and you talked a little bit about the connection that people have when they visit zoos. You know, children really that impacts them at a young age. And I think you told a story tonight about how that impacted you and how, uh, how you had that connection at a young age. Absolutely. I think uh, sometimes when I talk to folks, that maybe they think my mom was Jane Goodall and my dad was David Attenborough or something. And while I've had the great, humble chance to meet these folks, I came from very humble beginnings. My dad is a retired Boston police officer. My mom was a nurse. And we lived in an apartment building in a very urban environment. And uh, there was no nature. There was no wildlife. And my dad, when he would go work in a tough neighborhood, would drop me off at the local zoo, Franklin Park Zoo. And it was that formative experience that really was the catalyst that set me on my journey. And I have no doubt that the life I have today, my opportunity to live my passion of exploration and discovery and as an advocate for nature and conservation to be a TV show host or an author, all of that came from that moment where basically the light bulb clicked on and that where someone who worked at a zoo made that connection 
and became the bridge with the animals that were there that set me on my course. And, you know, I, you'd probably agree that if you just learned about the animals in a book or saw them on TV or in a magazine, you might not have that same connection as actually seeing them up close and personal and really getting to watch them in their environment and interact and, and do their natural behaviors. We human beings are an experiential primate. We rely on all of our senses to formulate and to carve the tools of our survival of our intelligence, of our personality, of our convictions come from those experiences. And I believe that's the value of a zoo. Not only are they on the front lines, there are over 700 species of animals today that have a fighting chance, 700 species that have a fighting chance for survival because of a primatologist, an ecologist, an entomologist, an ichthyologist whose home base is a zoo and spend their time in the field protecting these species. And that formative experience where all your senses are engaged, where you exercise those different elements of who you are, is what allows you to develop the compassion and the empathy. And as I have often said, it is truly hard to save an endangered species if you don't have compassion, empathy, and understanding of it. And you won't have that if you don't know what it is. And that's what a zoo does. It makes that introduction. Well, thank you so much, Jeff, for joining us. I know you're always busy jetting around the world to, to help animals in need. What's next for you on the horizon? Well, we just got back from Alaska filming a new project I'm working on that looks at people in the front lines of saving injured animals and trying to get back in the wild. I'm off to Bar Harbor in a couple of weeks to uh, film some coastal stuff there. Some bald eagles, I hope. Well, thanks so much, Jeff, for joining us here in Washington, and safe travels, and good luck for everything. Thank you very much. I'm Scott Sowers. This is Be Humane on Pet Life Radio. One of the aspects of our humane conservation program, and really all of our certification programs, is that it's, are they're backed by scientific standards, the, the absolute gold standards for whether they're for animals on farms and ranches or animals on films and television sets, and it's no different than for animals in zoos, aquariums, and conservation parks. So as part of our Humane Conservation Program, we formed a scientific advisory committee made up of some of the most well-respected animal scientists, animal welfare experts, ethicists, and more to develop these standards for animals living under human care in, in zoos, aquariums, and conservation parks. And I'm now joined by the co-chairs of that committee, the husband and wife veterinary team of Dr. James and Linda Petty, who um, really helped birth this program and get it up and running so we could apply these standards and audit all the zoos and aquariums that are interested in putting themselves up for audit. Thanks so much for joining us, and thanks so much for all you did on the committee. Well, thank you. Yes, thank you, Scott. I, I'm obviously Dr. Linda Petty, and my husband's Dr. Jim Petty. It was our honor to participate in bringing together some of the most incredible people that we've ever worked with to develop this program to assure the, the public that zoos and aquariums and conservation centers are in fact caring for animals the way we would want them to be cared for. Yes, no, I, uh, I en endorse everything my wife has just said. The, uh, the group of people, again, uh, to repeat what's already been said, were in, in a very, very, very uh, 
knowledgeable on many topics. We had uh, not only animal scientists, but we had veterinarians, we had behaviors, we had zoo and aquarium professionals. Uh, and everything we finished with, we ran it by uh, animal uh, ethicists, people who specialize in the ethics of uh, animal care. So um, this really was a, a, a blue ribbon committee. So talk a little bit about why it's so important to have the ethicist on the committee to bless the standards and give their feedback. The ethicist looks at things from a moral standpoint. There, This is not an emotional thing. This is a matter of review. He, Our ethicists, there were a couple of them, reviewed the entire protocol to be sure that it was done in a, a proper manner. Just to comment one other thing here, uh, we have seen in the in the animal care field an unfortunate change in that so much of it is turned to emotional type decisions. And with animal ethicists on board and reviewing everything, everything becomes. They made certain that we were basing things, uh, basing our decisions not on on emotion, but rather on scientific facts. So that was a tremendous thing that they helped us with. And another point that is very important is the fact that the actual assessments done at the zoos, aquaria, and conservation centers are done by independent third-party auditors. This is not a group that has any bias whatsoever. They are looking at things very objectively, but also coming from a highly educated background. And so speaking of highly educated backgrounds, I know that the, both of you have decades of experience treating animals of all species. I know you've talked before everything from gerbils to elephants and great apes and everything in between. So talk a little bit about your background and how you got to where you are today and as co-chairs of this committee. Well, that's uh, I guess it's a function of several things. One is right place, right time. And the other is uh, I hate to say this, but we're both uh, we're both growing old, <laughs> so uh, so I think that is probably a part of it. I have to interject. My husband has never turned down a request to help an animal. The only thing that our practice ever refused was a request to defang a rattlesnake, and that's because the fangs grow back. But he has never turned away from a challenge, and that's what the career has been built on. You guys have done a lot of great work over the years. I know you also became familiar with American Humane Association through our No Animals Were Harmed program. In fact, I believe you've taught a lot of our certified animal safety reps who now go out there to film and TV sets around the world to make sure our beloved animal stars are protected while they're filming. Yes, that, that that's correct. I was on faculty at the, at the Exotic Animal Training and Management Program at Park College for a total of 20-some years, uh, and, and many of our, well, several of our graduates have become more, some of your senior people on No Animals Were Harmed. We've also, uh, I've, I have served on several committees with the No Animals Were Harmed in the development of, further development of uh, standards for film and television animals. Uh, being used in uh, film and television. So it was, um, yeah, we've had a long relationship with them, and that's one of the things that impressed us so highly with uh, uh, the American Humane Association. They're sincere, and they're caring. 
We really appreciate all you've done for us over the years, and especially with helping to get this humane conservation program off the ground. So thank you so much for joining us, Drs. Petty, and uh, enjoy the rest of your evening. Thank you for having us. Yes, thank you very much. And we'll be right back with more from Capitol Hill. Sit. Stay. We'll be right back after a short pause. Well, four to be exact. When we ran out, we stopped using it. Why would you stop? Why undo all the good that's been accomplished? We thought everything was fine, and that was not a good thing. No, 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 no. He started stinking. It was awful. Shedding comes back, loss of hair, lots of dandruff. Scratching will return. His shedding will increase. If I ever took Roy off a Dynavite, he would go back to his hair loss. (gasps) D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com. 859-428-1000. When I get down to the bottom of my box of Dynavite, when I get to about three quarters. Oh no, I've got a couple more scoops. It's time to place my order. Dynavite.com. Each and every day she is getting that Dynavite. The omega-3 fatty acids. Flaxseed, zinc, alfalfa. The digestive enzymes that are cooked out of regular dog food. Just feed your dog right. Use Dynavite. If it's working, don't quit. Don't do what I did and run out. 859-428-1000. 859-428-1000. dot ecom Begging to hear more of your favorite show? Full episodes of all our shows are available on demand. Go to PetLifeRadio.com to fetch our entire lineup of possum pet podcasts. Also, dig us up in iHeartRadio Talk and iTunes. Let's talk pets. Live and on demand only from Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com Welcome back to Be Humane on Pet Life Radio. Tonight we proudly announced that four global institutions have taken the step and submitted themselves for our rigorous third-party audit and have passed and now can bear, proudly bear, the Humane Certified Seal of Approval. And I'm now joined by the CEO, the president and CEO of one of those institutions, Dr. John Nightingale, the Vancouver Aquarium. First of all, congratulations on achieving the Humane Certification Seal. And tell us a little bit about what that means for your, for your aquarium and especially for your animals. Oh, thanks. It's, um, you know, as an institution that first and foremost is concerned about the, the wellness and, and well-being of our animals, uh, we pride ourselves on you know, leading-edge or state-of-the-art animal practices. But you never know in terms of are there better ways of doing things? Can things be improved? And so this program both represents a, a validation of you know, what we believe, but it will demonstrate it to others. Probably more importantly, most institutions strive for continuous improvement. You want to do better. You want to do better tomorrow for your animals. Uh, for our staff, for our visitors. And so in terms of the whole wellness and well-being and welfare issue, uh, we came out of the certification with a whole list of things that we can do better. And that's great because you always want uh, a list out ahead of you of where you want to go and what you're trying to accomplish. So it was super. So one thing that really differentiates this program is it's the only one in the world that is solely focused on animal welfare. So how did you come about as an institution to make the decision to voluntarily submit yourself to this audit with these standards? Well, we, we've had a policy. Uh, on, uh, on June 15th, the Vancouver Aquarium will be 60 years old. 
And one of the founding mandates that goes back to the, the board that developed the aquarium a couple of years before it ever opened. So that's now a, call it a 65-year mandate, is don't keep an animal unless you can provide the care it needs. Now, that meant something different 50 years ago than it means today. We have, a, we have a, a body of knowledge about care. We have science, veterinary medicine, animal psychology. We have a whole lot of fields that make things way more complicated today than they were 50 years ago. So we've been on that track. It's part of our DNA. But there's been no program that gave it the rigorous, thorough going over that this program does. And so it was a no-brainer to say, hey, we're up. You know, we... We pride ourselves on being a leader. If you're going to be a leader, you got to step out and um, see if you really are. Talk a little bit about what makes your aquarium different than others, how you, how you stand out. Not only that you now have the Humane Conservation Seal of Approval, but just in general, what, what differentiates the Vancouver Aquarium? Well, the aquarium is the physical thing you go see in beautiful Stanley Park in Vancouver. And we see 1.1 million visitors a year. The organization has become the Vancouver Aquarium Marine Science Center and operates, uh, co-manages Europe's largest aquarium, and I think we're not too far from taking one on in Asia. And the whole point is that zoos and aquariums engage people. That's why they're there. It's not to give employees jobs. It's not for economic development for the city. It's not for, for the animal collection. It's to engage people, and we use living animals to do that. And... I know some of our detractors say that a video is just as good as seeing the real thing, but I submit that as a seven-year-old, if you are anywhere close to an elephant and you're looking up at that elephant, the real thing makes a huge difference. So that's why we're there, and that means now we work more and more through other channels. So we saw 2.5 million people between our two aquariums last year. We saw 35 million digital visitors. And that's on a track to go to 100 by 2020. So there are, there's more than one way to skin a cat, as, uh, as my grandfather who used to hunt used to say. So we'll use any way, any method, any tool we can to get people interested in the ocean and aquatic environments on Earth. Yeah, and I think it's pretty safe to say that there are going to be several kids among those 2.5 million that will grow up to be the next wildlife experts and conservation experts and helping to conserve the animals as they, uh, for whatever generations, face in the future. Yes. I mean, our aquarium is full of employees and volunteers who got their start as kids in hand coming to the aquarium. Uh, We have a a very well-known young woman who's about 27 or 28 now, just going off to do her Ph.D. in fisheries, came from a broken home, a disadvantaged home, and it was a fascination with a baby beluga that caused her to overcome all those, those obstacles and graduate from high school and go on, get her bachelor's degree and then her master's degree, and now she's going to work on her Ph.D. There are dozens of stories like that, as there are for any other aquarium or zoo who's been there a while. Definitely. Well, as you said, you're coming, the Vancouver Aquarium's coming up on its 60th birthday, and I think you now have a nice birthday present in the form of your new Humane Conservation Seal of Approval. So congratulations, Dr. Nightingale, and and best of luck for the future. Thank you. It's our pleasure, and uh, we certainly thank American Humane for uh, putting together an amazingly complex and detailed program in a very short period of time, comparatively. 
I mean, a year is not much to build an international program. And it's, it's a wonderful program. But, and I think we all agree, there is, you know, what's step two and step three. So just like our institutions try and improve the care of our animals and our interaction with our visitors and engagement, uh, so too will this program continue to grow and evolve. Dr. John Nightingale, the President and CEO of the Vancouver Aquarium, Canada's first aquarium to join the Humane Conservation Program with the, by passing the audit and receiving its Humane Certified Seal. Tonight, Dr. Robin Ganser, American Humane Association's President and CEO, announced that four institutions submitted themselves for the rigorous third-party audit and now can proudly bear the Humane Certified Seal of Approval. And I'm joined now by the Senior Vice President of Animal Programs at Chicago's Brookfield Zoo, which is actually now the world's first zoo to be to undergo the audit and pass. So welcome, Bill. Tell us, first of all, congratulations, and tell us what this means for your zoo and especially for your animals. Well, thank you very much. It means very much to us. It's a partnership that we have with uh, the American Humane Association, but obviously it's also a verification of our level of welfare and care. Having a third party, an independent party, verify how we treat animals, how we engage with animals, and their well-being and care is vitally important to us. And the Humane, American Humane Association has been one of those organizations that has such a long, respective history that it was just a natural thing for us to say, yes, we wanted to be certified by them. And, of course, my entire staff is very proud of it. The, the entire zoo is very proud of it. Uh, we think it'll add a lot to our relevancy as a zoological park and as an education facility and a research facility for conservation. But having this certification by them is just an absolute honor, and we just truly, truly appreciate the opportunity. And we've talked a lot about the important role that zoos and aquariums play in preserving the web of life on Earth. Talk a little bit about what your zoo does to help conserve species and help keep them around for future generations to appreciate, adore, and learn more about. Well, one of the things that makes uh, the Chicago Zoological Society, Brookfield Zoo, unique is our mission statement. Every zoo strives and every aquarium strives to save endangered species and to support conservation efforts in the field, what we call NC2 conservation. But when you look at our mission, we say we're there to create conservation leaders. We want to engage the public. We want to engage students and adults and create a mindset that supports conservation. We want to create conservation leadership. And so through our programs where we support conservation efforts, we are also getting that message out and connecting and engaging with our community to create those conservation leaders and to create a new mindset how people approach things. You know, it's like the old vote. I'm only one vote. Can I make a difference? Well, you know what? Yes, you can. And your actions every day and what you decide to do, how you use your resources is of vital importance. And that's the approach Brookfield takes with conservation. We go after the people first in creating their mindset. And having an organization like American Humane Association that's so well-respected verify the fact that we take good care of our animals and have high standards of welfare gives the public confidence that when we give them that message, they're more apt to receive it on a positive note. Yeah, and American Humane Association is the world's largest certifier of animals in working environments, from the animals on our farms and ranches to the animals in, on film and TV sets that entertain us in, in movies and more. And so really, this was an easy decision for us 
to move into this realm because, as we said, zoos and aquariums and conservation parks are essential. They're, they're really lifeboats for the disappearing species of the earth because if they weren't around, there would be a lot fewer animals on this earth. Absolutely. There are so many species right now that are making a comeback and not going extinct because of zoological parks. There were a few mentioned here tonight at the event, like the California condor, uh, the American black-footed ferret, the... Uh, the rainbow darter, which is the small fish no one thinks about. You know, this is a species that almost went extinct because of being river systems being dammed up. And so zoos and aquariums have an important role in maintaining endangered species like that and creating what we call genetic pools to help sustain the population, whether it's in in C2 in the field or whether it's under professional care at our institutions. What are some of the programs that you have at Brookfield Zoo for helping to conserve endangered species. Are there any particular species that that your facility focuses on or success stories you can talk about? Well, yes. Actually, one of our biggest programs, well, two of our biggest programs is dolphins, which we have the longest field research program uh, in the Sarasota Dolphin Research Program down in Sarasota, Florida. It's over 45 years old. That is something that we've run and we've maintained. We've created numerous PhDs. We've had numerous uh, grad students come out of that that have all gone into the field of dolphin conservation. Um, Another program we have is in Peru, South America, where we deal with the Humboldt penguin, the first seal and the sea lion. And our programs are geared towards capacity building. And it's training young biologists in the range country where these animals are so that the country can take part in the conservation of their own species. And so those are two extremely important programs that we've dealt with and that we have a long history with. Well, definitely. Well, thanks so much. As we mentioned, you are the first zoo in the world and certainly the first zoo in America, one of two facilities in America as we record this that now can proudly bear the Humane Certified Seal of Approval. The other one is actually in the same town there, Chicago's Shedd Aquarium. So, you know, but we have a lot of work to do still with with some of the other facilities around the world, but it's uh, it's the very infant stages of the program. So we're confident it'll continue to grow. Well, thank you very much. And it's to us, it's critically important because in Chicago, we partner with the Shed on a lot of projects. So having them as a certified organization and Brookfield as a certified organization is just so extremely important to us and in the Chicago community, too. So thank you very much. Well, for anyone out there in Chicago, you can feel good about visiting the, both the Shed Aquarium and the Chicago Zoological Society Brookfield Zoo because they now both proudly bear American Humane Association's Humane Certified Seal uh, for our Humane Conservation Program. Thank you, my colleague Scott Savers, for being the boots on the ground to interview uh, while I was hosting the congressional briefing, the congressional launch on Capitol Hill. And again, a special thanks to the creators, the founders of the Humane Bond Congressional Caucus, Congressman Gus Bilirakis and Congressman Henry Cuellar, who hosted the launch of Humane Conservation on Capitol Hill. And thanks especially to today's radio guests, Jeff Corwin, Dr. Jim and Dr. Linda Petty, Dr. John Nightingale, and Bill Ziegler. Institutions from around the globe are now lining up to take our humane conservation audit and will be ensured to announce the ones that have passed our rigorous audit. The Humane Certified Seal of Approvals and Assurance to the public that these institutions are doing the right thing by their animals and are committed to the utmost of humane care. To learn more about our American Humane Conservation Program, please visit www.humaneconservation.org. Friends, that's all for today's show. Thanks so much for listening. We'll be back very soon with another episode. Until next time, let's all remember to be humane.
Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.